0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day all bills all the time and now matt bovay and sal capaccio are going really deep talking bills all year long because it's always game day in buffalo all right the bills
1: suffer their first loss of the season a very tough close heartbreaking loss in South Florida to the hands of the Miami Dolphins, 21 to 19. The final score, Sal Capaccio here from WGR. I was on the sidelines for the game, Matt Bove. He is actually still in Fort Lauderdale. He's going to head back. We are here late on a Sunday night with thoughts fresh in our mind, Matt, about what happened in South Florida. First of all, it was hot out there, dude. Like yeah. really, really hot. Like I-, I can't believe it. May have been the hottest game that I've you know been a part of covering and being on the field with because it wasn't just the heat and ninety degrees, but the humidity and the on-field temperature over hundred and ten, I believe, at one point. Which I felt as like at the Roman Colosseum, watching bodies fly and, and down on the ground all the time.
0: Yeah, it was really hot. And I know that it's always hot when they go to Miami, but this was a new level of hot to the point where like, even if you were outside for 15 minutes, just walking around doing what we do, you were sweating and you needed a towel to dry yourselves off, let alone those football players wearing pads and helmets and running around and tackling each other. And I think that kind of made the injuries even more significant because any little dings, any little people that cramp up when you're in that kind of heat, it makes it that much difficult, more difficult.
1: Yeah. I mean, during the game, Isaiah McKenzie leaves to get an IV. So does Dawson Knox. I believe uh, Xavier Xavier Howard did on the other side. So there's a lot to get to to dissect, but definitely that was a storyline in this game and it might've had an impact on the game. And oddly enough, the Buffalo Bills hold the ball for over 40 minutes, Matt, in this game, but they, that might've actually been a detriment to them because they were so tired and so gassed that I think a few mental mistakes, a few obviously critical physical errors as well on the offensive side cost them, but still they dominated in almost every facet, but they did not make the critical plays they needed to make the game, the win the game. That's why they lose by two points, despite pure domination and all of the statistics, the bills didn't make a few critical plays and the Miami dolphins made one or two, and that's That's why they win.
0: Yeah, it's funny you lead with that because I was actually in a group message with some of my friends and they were asking me, what do they think the biggest takeaway from this game is, or like, what was the biggest reason why the bills lost? And some people said injuries. Some people said different things. I said, I just felt like they didn't execute to the level that they usually execute. And that's a lot of different examples of that. And I really do think that the heat played a factor. I think that the injuries played a factor, the heat played a factor, and maybe it just wasn't their day. Maybe they just didn't have a good day at the office because that happens every once in a while. But a lot of plays stand out as kind of like plays you expect them to make that they ultimately don't make. It's the Matt Milano pick six. He catches that nine times out of 10. Gabe Davis touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Same thing with him. He brings that in most of the time. There were a couple drops, even from digs, or maybe they're not drops, but they're catches that you think he probably makes. There's the throw at the end to Isaiah McKenzie. There's the missed field goal from Tyler Bass. Like these are plays this team is capable of making. And today they didn't. And I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that they're like sucking wind through a straw and they were on the field the entire game. And they just weren't at their peak because they were so exhausted. Yeah,
1: I think um all those things are right it's the details right this is a team that's very prideful on being buttoned up on all the details and executing those details. Well, that wasn't the case. It makes it harder to execute the details. Also, when you are down to your third string center and all your, your third and fourth string safeties and a rookie corner who has to come in and play for another rookie corner, making his NFL debut. I mean, it was just all over the place. And I will say the mood in the locker room after the game, Matt, can we do one thing here? Because I, I I'm getting a little frustrated on social media after the game, trying to explain this. And this is the way it works. I know the bill's law. So people are very, heated, but I think that maybe we have to have a lesson somehow in excuse versus reason, right? I mean, yes. like nobody made an excuse in the bills locker room. And when you or I tweet out or talk about, Hey, they had all these guys depleted. It was super hot. They still hung in there and the the players were prideful and you know, how they, they, they still were able to play and keep this game down to the very end. Despite all that, that is not excuse making coming from the locker room. They all said the same thing, which is we still should have won. We still should have made the plays. We didn't make the plays, but it's a true reason. All of those things are true reasons. There's nothing wrong with stating the fact that it was super hot and the bills were down all of these players. And yet they still took it down to the final second, literally of the game.
0: Yeah, I think both can be true. It's not like it has to be one or the other. The bills could be really decimated with injuries and it had an impact on the game. But at the same time, the Bills should have been able to win this game based off of the opportunities that they had and just the way that they even played. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. Honestly, I know a lot of people are probably in crisis mode right now back in Western New York, because that's kind of what happens. But just like look around the league this weird stuff happens all the time. And oh, by the way, the dolphins are a playoff team. I think they're going to be a playoff team. You were on the road and you were dealing with all of this nonsense and still almost won the game. I feel like I'm almost more confident in the fact that the bills are a legit contender after this game. than I was a couple days ago, even though they lost the game. That's not a knock on Miami. That's not a knock on anything. I'm just thinking about all of the people like let's go down the list. And once again, I don't want to make this as an excuse. They are without Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And I know Micah Hyde's going to be the rest of the year. They were without Mitch Morse today. They were without Ed Oliver today. They were without Jordan Phillips today. Gabe Davis only had a couple targets. He did not look like he was a hundred percent. Gabe nope. Davis. Maybe he Great. was, maybe he wasn't, but he just didn't look right. And Oh, by the way, they're also getting Tredavious white back. And I forgot to say Dane Jackson, like think it- about all of those people that would normally be in the lineup that did not play today and they
1: lost during the game, their backup center, Greg Van yep. Roten. So the third string had to come in, Greg Mans. They lost their starting right tackle during the game, Spencer Brown. So Tommy Doyle had to come in. Tommy Doyle played guard during the game because they lost Ryan Bates during the game as well. Tommy Doyle played both tackle and guard. At one point you got Greg Mans lining up, Tommy Doyle lining up at guard and they lost by the way, Christian Benford during the game. They had to have Jamarcus Ingram come in and play, who had, making his NFL debut. Um, and then they lost the, Kumaro, Jay Kumaro. They lost during the game, right? I mean, like how many wide receivers can you just run out there and have to play after play? They couldn't put a lot on Stefan Diggs. He was, he seemed a bit like they, they were taking some off him at the end of the game as well. And I, that's understandable for any of these guys. They lost Austin Knox for a short period of time. They lost Isaiah McKenzie for a short period of time. Again, not making excuses. I think it just underscores how deep and good this team is that even with all of those things against them, they still outgained. Let me just say it right. The Miami Dolphins, 497 to 212. Matt, I did the research. I went to ProFootballreference.com after the game. Only twice in the last 16 years has a team outgained another team by 285 yards or more and lost the game. Twice. It was, and it in was the Dolphins. Years. Yes. It was the Dolphins. Yep. They, they out were outgained by the Chargers back two years ago and they wound up winning that game. I think it just underscores the fact of what I just said and what you just talked about, which is so why do they lose the game? They made some critical errors. Yes. errors. We're not accustomed to seeing this team making, including the missed field goal, including the drops that we saw. So I think you can at least take solace out of the fact that, to me, the Bills are still the better team than the Miami Dolphins. They just didn't make the plays to win on the scoreboard on Sunday.
0: I like to try and take myself as much out of it and trying to get the perspectives of a lot of different people as often as I can, just to try and put together, you know, educated opinions and make sure that I'm not being too you know, crazy one way or that I'm being rational. And the person who I've mentioned on the podcast the last couple of times, my friend who is a dolphins fan, like I'm texting in a group message with him and a couple other people who aren't bills fans during the game. And we all kind of said the same thing, like the bills are still the better team. The Dolphins are a good team, but none of that changed today. Like the Dolphins get the confidence booster. They get the win. Obviously, that helps them in the standings. They've got a pretty easy schedule from here on out. Like they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're ready to contend for a Super Bowl. It, It really does. I know Marcel was talking about this, Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN, when we did our last podcast and we mentioned it a little bit. It does feel a little bit like they're the 2019 Bills. I know that they're not, you know, it's not like the Bills are descending like the Patriots were at the time, the dolphins are ascending, but that's kind of what it feels like to me, like a team that I think can make it to the playoffs, a team that might be able to win a playoff game, but not a team that I think is going to contend for a super bowl. That's what I think the dolphins are. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like they have made strides defensively. They were much better today than they have been in years past, especially in the red zone. Tua is better. Tua didn't do anything in this game that I was like, oh my goodness, he is a top five quarterback in the NFL. He was fine. He made a really nice throw on third and 22. He had a really strong touchdown pass. Besides that, everything he did was pretty ho-hum. It's not a knock on him. He's made strides, but I think the Dolphins are a good team. I think the Bills are the better team and maybe still the best team in the NFL, even despite the loss. There's
1: still a question of why he was even allowed to come back in the game, by the way, in the second half. Um, That's out there right now here as we sit on Sunday night. There's an investigation by the league of how and how, in fact, he was able to um, pass the concussion protocol when they originally said it was a head injury and he was wobbling. That's why he went down. And then they said, well, it was a back injury. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, I want to ask you this before we wrap up this segment and move on and talk about specific, you know, plays or players. What player out of everybody they missed on Sunday was the most impactful miss? Ooh,
0: I, I thought about this earlier. I would say Mitch Morris. I like it. I yeah. would say Mitch Morris because of some critical errors that happened that I don't think happen If Mitch Morris is on the field. So the first one that stands out to me is, the botched snap at the end of the first half where he couldn't spike the ball because then it would have been a fumble. And then, you know, the corner was so that exactly
1: what happened because I I'll tell I'm on the sidelines. You guys are in the press box. You see the replays. Mm-hmm. We were all wondering why didn't, why did Josh do that? Was he just trying to do a fake spike, a Dan Marino fake spike? That's not what happened. You're saying, mm-hmm. and I'm learning this now, and this is hours after the game. I just, I took the plane home. I didn't see the video. I do know that happened, but please explain.
0: Okay. So essentially what happened and my understanding of the rules and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was not a clean snap. And when you botch a snap like that, and then you spike it, it's a fumble. So if it would have been recovered, then it would have been the dolphins ball, or there would have been a 10 second runoff because the bills don't have the timeout. And then the quarter would have ended. So what I think happened now, I don't know this for sure, but what I think happened was the snap was botched. Allen realized if he spiked it, it would have been a fumble and it would have basically ended the quarter. So then he tried to throw it over Stefan Diggs out of bounds to stop the clock but digs would have no idea that any of that was happening, caught it and then tried to take it upfield. Now I don't know that for sure, but I do know that the snap was botched just from looking at like the video of it. So I'm thinking that if Mitch Morse is there, that that play never happens because it's probably a clean snap. And Oh, by the way, there were like three or four snaps today that were a little bit shaky. All right. So
1: I still think it's, it's not a fumble, Because he'd still be throwing it forward, but it probably would be a penalty in that situation because it's not a clean spike, but then that means it's intentional grounding. So that would have stopped the half anyway. And I think that's what Josh probably was thinking. The other thing is, once he botches it, he probably thinks there's not enough time to snap it. There was two seconds left. Mm -hmm. There's not enough time to spike it, right? Maybe that's what he thinks. But thank you for the explanation because a lot of people might not have realized watching at home or what was going on. We did not know on the field what was going on with that. I have another reason why Mitch Morse might be the most impactful player the Bills lost when we come back after this. And we are back on, as always, game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. All right, Matt. So not only for what you just mentioned about Mitch Morris being uh, maybe the most impactful loss on the bills, I think something that's just kind of not thought of enough is the bills get down first and goal at what the four yard line towards the end of the game. I know exactly what you're going to say. They cannot, they cannot go under center. Yep. Because they have their third string center in and they don't in mm-hmm. the third string center is not practicing snaps under center with Josh Allen at practice. And people could say, well, why not? Well, it's because it's the third string center and you're not yeah. taking time like that to do that. When do you think you're going to use your third string center? So Josh Allen had to go from shotgun in that situation, which completely impacted the play calling. It really limited the playbook and gave the Miami Dolphins a chance to kind of read the play a little bit better and know what was coming versus Josh going under center. So losing Mitch Morris, actually not just because of the physical nature of what you just talked about, but also because of how that impacted how the bills actually had to play it in that fourth down and uh, first, second, third and fourth down situation at the end.
0: Can I give, uh, Mitch Morse is still my answer, but can I give another person just as kind of like an add on? Well,
1: you can, but let me see if it might've been my guy I was going to go with, but you convinced me on Morse. I was going to say at Oliver.
0: Okay. That's a, um, that's not who I was going to say, but I think okay. that's a very good one. If you want to justify it, go I'll
1: ahead. say Ed Oliver, because the bills really did not get a lot of interior pressure on Tua. And I think that's how you have to kind of, you hurt him a little bit with interior pressure because he's the, he's not the biggest guy he's got to then move around to get through different windows. And I also thought they ran the ball fairly effectively at times. I think Ed Oliver was a loss in the middle and it didn't allow a lot of those guys, maybe even Jordan Phillips, just those two guys there. So I think losing those guys in the interior was a big loss.
0: All right. And for me, this is actually going to transition us well into probably the next thing we should talk about, but it's Micah Hyde. And the play that specifically stands out is the third and 22 that they converted on that deep ball to waddle. The Bill's do not get beat over the top like that when Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are on the field. And I know that now the reality of it is that they don't have Micah Hyde. So they're going to hope that that continues with Jordan Poyer and Jaquan Johnson or Jordan Poyer and DeMar Hamlin, whoever they ultimately decide to use more often. But yeah, like I, that play happened. And the first thing that I thought of is that doesn't happen if they're healthy, like ever. Ever. I know they only rushed three and I know some people were like, why did you do that there? Why didn't you send pressure? Well, they dropped everybody into coverage and it was still a broken play and they were still able to hit you over the top. So they definitely missed Micah Hyde on that play. And I know that they're going to miss him for the rest of the season because he is so impactful, but this is the first time we're doing a podcast since the news. So Sal, just kind of, what are your thoughts? And I think now we have a little bit of hindsight too, to kind of how the bills are going to approach this, given the fact that they did play a game.
1: So my thoughts are first and foremost with Micah, obviously just that is a brutal, brutal loss for him uh, not to be with his teammates, not to be with his team, what he means to the city, what it means to the organization, the community, everything. I love the fact that he was still with the team. He made the trip. He's down on the sidelines. He's going to be there. I think I'm assuming he'll be there all year at every game, um, unless something else, you know, if he has to do some rehab or whatever. But the point is he's going to be there and uh, really help coach those guys. they'll get better on those plays. I do believe that, uh, they'll have, they'll they'll have to go through some of this. There might be a little bit of growing pains, but I also would tell you, even though they'll get better, I think Matt, it's not the first time we're going to see this. I think you're going to give up some of some of these plays every once in a while. But if the worst thing that happens here is every once in a while, they give up a deep ball, but you sacrifice and you give up the deep ball, but you look at the stats and you say, I'll say it this way, Matt. If I told you, Every week from here on out, the bills would yeah. give up less than 200 yards, but give up one 45 yard pass. Would you take it?
0: hundred percent. Think about of even, of course t- you would think about even today. Could you imagine if we would have known this morning that the bills only gave up 21 points in this game, right? You would have thought the bills won by 20. You're like, okay, easy. Now, obviously that speaks to the day the defense had, and also just the mistakes that the offense made. But yeah, no, th- there will be growing pains. And I think that that's kind of, Fair to assume. And it's also like, should be accepted too, because it's not like Jamar Hamlin or Jaquan Johnson have a ton of snaps on the field. Now I will tell everybody I saw my guy. I know you saw him on the sideline. I saw him in the locker room after the game. And I just went up to him and I was like, Hey, you good. And he was like, I'm going to get through it. And I was just like, all right, stay healthy, man. You know? hope, you know, nothing but the best for you and your family, because he has meant so much to this organization and to the city. And I think somebody tweeted it the other day. And I think it was really, really well said that in this situation, I feel much worse for Micah Hyde than I do for the organization, just because he is one of those pillars that helped turn this thing around. Like when I think of where the bills were in 2017 to where they are now, the first names that I think of are Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White, and now Josh Allen, because those three first guys that I said, White, Poyer, and Hyde, were all here in 2017, helped end the drought. They were still ascending in their careers. Then they went through 2018, Josh's rookie year, where there was kind of the downs, and then boom, 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 back-to-back-to-back playoff appearances. This year, obviously, super high expectations. And I just would think if this team gets to where they are trying to go, if this team plays in the super bowl, I cannot imagine what it will be like for Micah Hyde to not be out on that field. And just as a human, I feel for that guy. I really do. But I do think, but I do feel like the fact that we saw him today at the game, the fact that he was on the sideline, the fact that he was coaching up his guys, like I think that really speaks volumes to both him as a person and to how close this team is because He wants them to have success, even though I know it'll really hurt if they have the success that, you know, they want to have.
1: Speaking of close, Matt, here we go. Nice segue. Nice word. Another close loss for the bills. This has become a little bit too much of a theme for a lot of fans that, yeah, when they win, they blow you out. But when it's a close game, they can't win. They haven't in the last couple of years. They won some in the past, you know, going back a couple of years ago, but last year, close games, all losses. Now one score game, another loss. Is this something that we should be concerned about in these close games? The bills keep losing, or is it, Hey, I mean, they're in the games. They're not going to win every game. It just shows you how good they are that they can blow teams out. And then when they're in a close game, it can go either way and the breaks haven't gone their way in a few of them.
0: All right. So give me the scale is one, not at all concerned in 10. The sky is sure, falling. Is that sure. what we'll go with? Yeah. I feel like I'm at a I feel like I'm at a six. Okay. I feel like I'm at a six. And my justification for six is that I do think there is something to be said that they only win blowouts. And then when they lose, they just lose. And they're always close games because, like, whatever. But the thing that concerns me is that in the playoffs, there will be more close games. You can't blow out teams in the playoffs like they do in the regular season at times. And that's when I have concerns. So in the regular season, I'd say it's like a two or a three but knowing the expectations for this team, I think that could become a bigger problem down the road, as we've seen with the loss to the chiefs last year, the loss to the Texans in 2019, like two close playoff games. And by the way, they they did win a close playoff game against the Colts. That was a real close one, mm-hmm. uh, but they, they almost, uh, but they almost also lost that one too. So uh you know, I, I would say I'm moderately concerned.
1: Okay. Well, here's my question for those who are very concerned and keep, you know, bringing it up for Sean McDermott, you know, blaming it on McDermott. He can't win a close game, which he has won close games. But my question would be, well, what would he, what should he have done differently in this game? How did he cost them? I don't think he did. I don't think Sean McDermott made a call in this game that makes me go, yeah, you know That's on McDermott, another close game where he did something wrong. I don't think so. I think it was lack of execution, I have one question,
0: not necessarily concern. I want to get your take on a Sean McDermott decision. The fourth and four, they kicked the field goal and Bass missed. It was fine with the field goal. It would have went from, if he made it a three point lead to a six point lead. Now, my question was on fourth and four, do you go for it? Because then you have a chance to make it a two possession game. And go down and get a touchdown. Cause they were at like the 20 or something. So I was thinking in the moment, should they have done it? And then they missed the field goal. And it's kind of like one of those ball don't lie hindsight. situations. Yeah. You're like, Oh, well, the result is the same as if they would have went for it. I know bass makes that most of the time, right? But just curious, because I, I, it was one of those ones that came into my head. That was like, I don't think it's a mistake to kick the field goal but I also don't think I would have been mad if you went for it.
1: I understand. I, I don't disagree. Like if he goes for it, it's like, okay, I actually love his aggressiveness on the first drive going for it on fourth and goal. Mm-hmm. And it was a touchdown, but to me, it's Tyler bash should be automatic from there. To me, this is an execution issue. They, they went for a field goal and said, okay, we're, we're playing well. They only have 14 points on us. Um, you know, we think that we'll be able to stop them and make them have to make them have to come down and get a touchdown against us. So, I'm totally cool with it. My bigger point is I don't think there's anything other than maybe a questionable fourth down decision that you could point to, to say McDermott blew it. You know what I mean? Like if you look back at the 13th second and say that's on coaching, they should have squibbed it. They should have done something different on defense. Yeah, McDermott, Frazier, uh, Heath Farwell, whatever. I-, I think that's fair to, to question that. If you want to go back and say, well, close games is usually on coaching and details. I get it. But tell me how this one was, because to me, it was a lack of execution. It was a play here. It was a play there. It's Josh Allen, not, throwing the ball strong enough to um, Isaiah McKenzie at the end of the game, maybe where he can get a touch, where he can get a touchdown. It's Isaiah McKenzie, not getting out of bounds at the end of the game where he's trying to, but he feels like he can't. That's not on coaching.
0: No, I think my biggest concern after this game, besides obviously the injuries and the fact that they lost, I just don't have any confidence in them in short yardage situations. I still don't. It's been something that's kind of been a thing for a couple of years. You'd rather now. it be third and seven than third and one. <laughs> Honestly, like yeah. I feel like they have a better chance yeah. converting these ridiculous situations than they do third and two. Cause they get in their heads and they're like, well, we can't run it because we don't trust our running backs. But at the same time, we've got this guy who's like a bajillion feet tall. He can probably get it, but we don't want him to get hit. And he's still a really great quarterback. Like there's just so many reasons that, I feel like they should be great in these situations and they aren't. And I know we explained specifically the end of the game and they're on their third string center. There was a blown coverage on the second play on the third play. Great coverage from the dolphins. He tries to fit one into digs, the fourth down play. He should make that throw. He should hit McKenzie. That's a play that he's supposed to make. He doesn't, whatever that happens in the NFL, not blaming anything on Josh Allen. He had 440. 47 yards. And, uh, it's like his worst game of the year. And he had 447 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so yeah, the short yardage thing is just a little bit of a concern to me because I still don't feel overly confident in any of their running backs or in the line in those situations all right well you brought it up josh
1: allen 447 yards of total offense i think we should at least acknowledge some of the really good things that happened in this game and um, kind of talk about some of those plays and players and we'll do that now
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals
1: It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: So we'll stick with the scoring system here or the grading system here. If you were to give a report card grade to Josh Allen, what would your report card grade be as we had, you know, to week four here, specifically talking about the game against the dolphins.
1: Okay. This might sound crazy to some people, but I think he's raised his bar so high. I might only give him a B plus in this game.
0: Oh yeah. No, I think that's totally fair. I was right. going to say, I was going to say a B. So okay. I
1: think that's yeah. totally he, fair. I, I think he missed a couple of throws. Uh, Even the one that was a little behind Stefan Diggs on the first pass of the game that, you know, uh-huh. digs, it was the controversy we fumbled or not. There was the, um the play to Isaiah McKenzie. We saw, Um, here there, there was another one, the short one he missed. And I can't remember which one that was, but he missed a couple, but you know what? My gosh. I mean, he also, Matt, he makes a few throws one to Reggie Gilliam. He made, I'm like, how did he do that? Like, what? how do you make that throw? Like what no human should be able to. So I would say that if this was a average normal quarterback, he'd be getting A's all over the place for me, but it's Josh Allen and Josh Allen to me gets a B plus for this performance because as great as it was, he's usually. Even better than this, in those, in, in a few of those situations. He threw the ball, by the way, set a record 62 attempts. His previous high, 54. He shattered his previous high.
0: And you know what? He gives them the best chance to win. Yeah. And I know. And I know they didn't win, but you want the ball in your best player's hands. And that's Josh Allen. That's Stefan Diggs. Like they did not have the elite level game that they are capable of having, but they had, well, at least specifically Josh, a good game and a couple mistakes here and there. And you fall short, especially against a team that's pretty good. Like Xavier Howard is an outstanding player. Holland looks like he is going to be one of the best safeties in the league. They've got some nice playmakers on their defensive line the dolphins are, you know, a little bit of a bend, but don't break defense. And we saw that today. Like the bills put up a bunch of yards, dominated time of possession, but they got down to the red zone and they couldn't score. I think if you told me that Josh Allen would have 447 yards of total offense and only have 17 points from the offense, I would say you're crazy. So (laughs) I think if you keep up that pace, you're going to have a lot more points on the board. And that means you're going to have a lot of chances to win games. Uh, You always will with Josh Allen. He's just such a competitor. He's so fire. And one of those things, everybody today, or excuse me, everybody on Monday is going to be talking about the video of Dorsey throwing everything in the coach's room and all that stuff. But like Josh just takes these so personal. And I know some people, That might rub the wrong way, but like, I think that shows just how much of a competitor this dude is. He wants it so bad. We're talking about a week three game against the Dolphins. You know, in the grand scheme of things, obviously it means so much, but if they go do what they're supposed to do, nobody's going to look back and be like, Oh my God, can you believe that they lost to the dolphins week three? It's like the Jags game last year, but this one's obviously, you know, far less embarrassing and far less concerning, but they lose to the Jags and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. But, then they do what they do in the playoffs. Nobody's thinking about like how did they lose to the Jet? Like what? It's it's just yeah. He's he's a freak of nature. Four hundred and forty-seven yards, and we gave him a B and a B plus. <laughs> I'll tell you who I give A's to:
1: the rookie corners. Uh, I just think that overall, here's three of them. It's not just two anymore. Christian Benford, Kyrie Elam, and Jamarcus Ingram. I mean, Matt, they did a nice job. The Dolphins threw for just one seventy-one. That included a forty-five yarder to Waddle. So we're talking about one twenty-five, one thirty. And they also held, by the way, Tyree kill to two catches for 33 yards. I think it just shows the show what we've talked about. I know I've said on the radio a lot, the system works. It's very, they're very good at coaching it. And they've done a great job of finding some players who can fit into it and give credit to those guys as well. You hope Christian Benford's okay. He did come back. He didn't play much on defense. He did play special teams when he came back, but how about a guy like Jamarcus Ingram getting in the game and having to be in that situation? I, I, I think those corners did a really nice job considering the circumstance they were in.
0: I agree. I, I don't know if I would go with an a, but very highly graded, maybe like a B plus or something. And I just want to see back some of the plays where they got beat. Oh, I don't even want to say over the top. I know there was the big one to Jalen Waddle, but the drive before that, I believe it might've been two before that the dolphins just went down the field at will. And it was funny. I mean, it's not funny, but they moved the ball so fast down the field. It was after that Bills super long drive that it was like, oh, I bet the Bills' offense wishes that, like, really, really bad that they just had a little bit more of a breather. 20
1: plays, 20 plays, nine minutes. Oh, my God.
0: I think they both did a commendable job. And it's interesting because excuse me, obviously they're doing this without Dane Jackson. We don't know what his status is moving forward. We don't know when he's going to come back. Obviously considering the circumstances, the fact that he's even been able to go and join his teammates at practice has been a really, really welcome sight. But if Dane Jackson is able to play again, you're going to probably have him on the field. And then, oh, by the way, you should be getting Trinavius White back sometime. And, right. you know, we don't know when, but at some point this season. So, You imagine the depth that they all of a sudden would have at corner. If the three guys that played today weren't even on the field because they would be backups. Like that's a very real possibility. Yeah. It's
1: amazing. Um, All right. Before we head on out of here, what about Von Miller non-factor on Sunday? Um, I don't know any thoughts, any concerns there? Obviously he's Von Miller, but just the fact that he just, he was actually held off the stat sheet completely, except for one pass breakup where he got his hand on a ball No tackles, no sacks,
0: not majorly concerned because I feel like even elite edge rushers, this happens every once in a Mm -hmm. while. And it's one of those things where maybe he's getting so much attention that other people are being able to get to the quarterback or create havoc or whatever, but none of them really did today. Like there was a couple splash plays here or there, but I never felt watching this game that the bills were getting a lot of pressure. I also think Tua was doing a pretty good job of getting the ball out of his hands fast. So the bills didn't really have an opportunity to, but on the plays when you wish they would have been able to the third and 22, they only rushed three and nobody was even close to Tua. The guy could have probably, you know, sat there and read a book for a couple minutes before anybody got there. So yeah, I I don't know, not overly concerned with it just because he has been so dominant in the first two weeks. And I kind of expect more of that down the road too. All right. Well, the other thing is I want to
1: go unless do you have anything specifically on this game? Because I just want to look at big picture in the league on Sunday real quick.
0: Well, my specific thing is just that I am not concerned about the bills. Yeah, I mean, I just really my wife is, you know a big bills fan. She's from Western New York. And I talked to her after the game and she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so upset that they lost. I can't believe it. I'm really, really concerned. And I'm I'm glad you
1: got to talk to her. I couldn't talk to max. And apparently he cried himself to sleep.
0: Oh, poor max. Well, I know a lot. And a lot of people obviously take this so seriously, but I just think that they're really, really good. I think that they were never going to go 17 and L right. They might even lose to the Ravens this week. Who knows? Like the Ravens are a really good team but I still think that they absolutely have the potential to win it all and nothing that they did on Sunday makes me feel less about or feel, you know, different about that. Well, that's good. You said that because my, my next
1: question was simply, do you still think they're the best team in the AFC and maybe even the NFL and I'll just answer first. I say, yes, I do think they are now that comes with the caveat of, we're talking about a healthy Buffalo bills team. If you're depleted like this, of course not. But if you assume everybody's kind of healthy, at least relatively healthy, other than, you know, Micah hides out, maybe even, even without Tre'Davious white, but getting him back. I still think the bills are the best team. Um, the dolphins are of course a team that's right there right now at three and Oh, we'll see where they go, but I'll let you answer that. But in the context of that, Matt, maybe the AFC just isn't as loaded as we all thought it was going to be this year.
0: Or it's so loaded that teams are beating up on each other and that's, you know, making it a little bit more kind of compressed in the middle because right now, or I think the Dolphins are the only undefeated team in the AFC, I believe Yes. now that the chiefs lost and everything. So I think. Yeah. I still think the bills are the best team in the AFC. The three teams that I would say are at the top right now are probably the chiefs. Well, the bills, the chiefs, whew, this is tough. You're not you uh, up with the dolphins, right? Yeah. I was going to say it's Miami. Right now.
1: They replaced the chargers for me, but I would say, I'd give it to Miami a little over Baltimore because they did beat them head to head in Baltimore. But I do think the Ravens belong kind of up there. But honestly, Matt, the Ravens gave up 500 yards of offense to a Mac Jones led net new England Patriots team today. Uh, yeah, look,
0: like look what, and look
1: what they did to Tua to last yeah. week. Right. Look, or Tua did to them at least. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, that's a team. I don't think their defense is very good. I, I think every team in the AFC, has holes, has warts, including obviously the bills, which is you get down to their third and fourth string guys, you're going to have a chance, <laughs> right? Um, but in all seriousness, like that's why I don't know if the AFC is as loaded as we all thought. I mean, look at the Raiders at and three, the Titans aren't very good. We know that they played each other. The chiefs lose in Indy to a team that hadn't even won a game yet this year. I look Patrick Mahomes, nobody in that team had like more than 80 yards receiving. That's a Patrick Mahomes led receiving core, right? Uh, um, team. So, I think this is really interesting. And then even the, the upcoming schedule for the bills, Ravens, Steelers, chiefs and Packers aren't insurmountable. I mean, the Packers, they can't, they can't play very, they're not playing great offense right now either. So I just think it's really interesting to see how this all sets up going forward.
0: I agree. I thought one of those teams, we didn't know what to expect was the Broncos. Uh, they're in yeah. a seven, five barn burner right now. As we, close. as we talk, yes, as we talk, we're in the mid- at the end of the third quarter here. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think the AFC is kind of up for grabs. I think the bills are in a really good position. I think the chaos that we saw around the league also, are the Jags going to win the AFC South? Because I think they are. Is this amazing? So I got to tell you, uh, a few weeks ago, before before
1: the season, we did our predictions on the uh, Extra Point Show on WGR. My co-host Joby DiBiase said my hot take is the Jags are going to win the South. That's what he said. Good for
0: him. That's a heck
1: of a call. So That's that looks pretty good. I actually debated putting the Eagles in the Super Bowl in my yearly predictions because I didn't like anybody else in the NFC. And I thought that they had a better path because of the division and maybe get home field. And I thought, you know, they have enough playmakers on their team. I didn't go with it because I just didn't think they would be good enough. But man, they look really good right now, too.
0: Yes, they do. And I'm sorry. I'm oh, yawning oh, as I'm
1: talking it. to you. Well, that's the... all right. That means it's time to go, right? I'm going to let you uh, get going. You got to fly back. Safe travels. We'll talk to everybody um, uh, later in the week. Uh, Matt, but tell everybody where they can find all of your uh, post game coverage on Channel 7 and wherever.
0: Yes. WKBW.com. We've got our show, our weekly show, the point after that's every Monday at seven o'clock. It's myself. It's Joe B from the athletic and it's John Murphy, the voice of the bills. So we'll be talking plenty about the game. And I know people are going to be really, really fired up on Monday, but it's okay. I promise this team is still very good. No need to panic. <laughs> And we'll keep you updated
1: all week long on Bill's injuries. Of course, you can follow Matt at Matt underscore You can follow me at Sal Sports on Twitter. We'll have you covered as far as practice is concerned, injuries are concerned. And we'll come back at you later in the week with another podcast, getting ready for the Bills at the Baltimore Ravens. All right, Matt, get some sleep, safe flight to Buffalo. Uh, I'll talk to you on the next podcast, and I'm sure I'm going to see you before then. Everybody else, thank you for downloading, subscribing. If you haven't done that, please do so. Throw us a nice rating, a nice review. We'd really appreciate that, and thanks for listening.